Welcome back to the DK Steelers Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. It was a big weekend. I mean big because we finally saw the 53-man roster of the Steelers. It was trimmed down to that. Dale was all over it all weekend, and just when you thought it was one thing, it became another. This whole first segment is dedicated to getting you the information that you need to know about who made the roster and who was added to the roster and all the crazy things that this depth chart is going to look like. First of all, Dale, glad to be back on the show with you, buddy. Hey, what's going on? <clears throat> what's going on, Chris? There you go. I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Just stop coughing on, on, on air, man. <laughs> but, uh, but, okay, of course, 53-man roster was announced. Uh, you wrote this up immediately, and uh, you talked about how Ray Ray McLeod was impressing you in camp, and in your initial story, you said, hey, he, he was going to make the team, um, and uh, he ended up making the team. And I thought that was, you know, everyone was talking about the battle between him, Deion Kane, and Ryan Switzer, and he wins out that battle. Uh, Deion Kane makes the practice squad, um, but then Ryan Switzer, nowhere to be found there. What was your reaction just seeing how that gradually played out this weekend? Well, I was kind of surprised, first of all, that they only kept five wide receivers. Um, that's not been the norm for the Steelers. Um, I think there's a couple things in play there that uh, that kind of changed that. Um, one, they have a guy like Eric Ebron who they can split out wide and use in, in some receiver-type roles. And two, I think, you know, it kind of speaks a little volumes about, um, you know, perhaps they're a little nervous regarding the, the health of David DeCastro because they did keep nine offensive linemen including three centers, and that includes, you know, starter Marquise Pouncey, Stefan Wisniewski, who's the swing guy, and then J.C. Hassenhauer, who is, you know, kind of was on the practice squad last year. Um, this tells me they're at least thinking that there's a possibility that Wisniewski could end up starting at right guard this weekend or uh, next Monday when they play the uh, Giants. Now, that's a very good point you have there because – Nine offensive linemen is a really high number. Um, and J.C. Hassenhauer, some, you know, I, I, some people rumbled about maybe him making the team if they needed another center, but that was still unlikely. But you're right, you know, only five wide receivers um, you know, to make the team. Now, granted, also Deion Kane be on the practice squad. I could see a lot of flipping with him and Ray Ray McLeod as the season rolls on if, if things happen. Uh, and, or if, you know, if someone gets hurt or if they just they figure out some other thing on special teams. But with the, with the offensive line to get that many players, especially because on special teams, those offensive linemen aren't on those units. And usually you see receivers get used more on special teams. I, that's what caught me off guard by seeing the distribution as far as position wise, they're seeing heavy offensive line. But like you said, we don't know what's going on with David DeCastro. We've been told it's a mild injury for quite some time, but it's been really nagging. Yeah, it's been a, it looks like to be a calf injury of some type. Um, you know, whether that's a strained calf or, or a sore Achilles, we just don't know. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin keeps saying it's just a lower body thing. He did come back and practice after missing the first week of practice, came back and practice for a week, but then was off again all last week. Um, Tomlin said uh, on Friday that there's a potential that he could come back and practice on Monday, uh, but they would probably err on the side of caution because they don't play until the following Monday. So I don't expect the Castro to practice today. Um, you know, we'll see how that looks uh, when they come back to practice on Wednesday. If he's not practicing Wednesday, that's when you should start probably start to get a little concerned. 
Yeah, I mean, that's going to be crazy because I, I still see David DeCastro as the best player at his position on offense. You know, he's, he's, a, he's, a, top, he's a top caliber guard in the NFL. Um, and uh, missing him would, would, would be a huge loss. But let's, let's talk about the other positions that also we saw there. We saw Dan McCullers uh, get let go. Uh, they kept Carlos Rogers' seventh-round draft pick at defensive tackle. Um, uh, we saw James St. Pierre make the roster, which was uh, – or James Pierre. I think I just added the Saint on my own there. James um, Pierre, yeah. Uh, I, I was going with Brian St. Pierre. There. That's what I was doing. I just call him Lucky Pierre. Lucky, that's a good one. I, I like that. I like that. But um, what did, you know? What what was your makeout on defense? Because also, I mean, we're going to talk about this segment anyways. We saw Sean Davis and Josh Dobbs come back, and now that just shakes up everything as what I thought as far as the safety position and what was going to happen with the secondary this year. Yeah, I mean, they've got some moving pieces in, in the secondary. Uh, the biggest being Marcus Allen, who's really a linebacker at this point. I know he's still listed as a safety, uh, but the last time I saw him play safety was maybe last year in training camp or last year at the end of the season. He is, he essentially lined up at linebacker the entire time at training camp. Uh, Jerry Olsaski told us uh, during the week that, uh, that Allen has been going to the, to the linebacker meetings. So I doubt that he's going to both the safety and the linebacker meetings. So, you know, when you, when you bring back a guy like uh, uh, Sean Davis, you know, he's a guy that started at both free and strong safety in this defense. And they're not going to have to teach him on the fly as they would have had to continue to do with Curtis Riley. And Riley's more of a free safety anyways, uh, you know, than he is a strong. I don't think you want him necessarily down in the box. So this makes him a better football team. Um, you know, I, I think it gives him more flexibility. And, and you know, I, I just think that, uh, you know, when you look now at that safety room, that what was a, considered a, a weakness coming into this training camp by adding Sean Davis back to it, a guy who started 40 games for you the last four seasons. Um, now all of a sudden it's, it's kind of a strength. No, actually it really is because Sean Davis, I mean, he's going to take some time to reaculate, but this is Keith Butler's defense, which is what he grew up in his entire career here. Um, I feel like this is going to be a really good thing because now, I mean, and, and we talked about how it was a disadvantage for you for the past few years for Sean Davis to go from playing free safety to strong safety to, to, to not playing anything. Or don't um, forget slot corner. Slot corner is a rookie year. I forgot about slot corner, but that point being, he's been all over Keith Butler's defense. And now he's in a position where, Hey, you might be the first guy we call if Terrell Edmonds or if Minka Fitzpatrick goes down. And now that might be an asset for his career moving forward. Yeah, I think, and that's, that's what he was thinking as well, um, you know, in, in coming back here. This gives him the best opportunity to come back here, play this year, because remember, he only played one game last year. Yeah. We're getting hurt. And, you know, if he goes out and plays well, then perhaps, uh, you know, he gets an opportunity to, uh, to become a starter uh, elsewhere around the league. And so uh, for Sean Davis, this was, a, this was a win-win situation. He got paid $2 million by the – by uh, Washington, and he gets to go back to steal the Steelers, a defense that he knows well, and you know gives him an opportunity to play the best. I agree there, and then also got to talk about Josh Dobbs briefly. And you and I both know Dobbs most likely doesn't see any snaps this year as long as Ben's healthy, and then even then Mason would have to have something happen to him. But still, bringing him back in and sending Devlin Hodges out. Um, I saw some negative reaction to that by people on, on, on social media, but by and large, this makes sense. Dobbs Dobbs beat Devlin Hodges last year for the job, 
in training camp and then was traded away, and that's what brought Devlin Hodges up. Again, they never thought they'd have to use him because who would have predicted that Ben Roethlisberger would have his elbow torn off and then Mason Rudolph would be clocked in, you know, in the head by, by uh, Earl Thomas. Um, so, I mean, that was, there were a lot of random and wild circumstances that got Devlin Hodges to start for several games last year. You're presuming that doesn't happen again this year for Dobbs, but either way, I think that even if it did happen, this would be the better move than keeping Devlin Hodges. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I just don't know that Devlin Hodges is an NFL quarterback. I just don't think that's the case. Um, you know, certainly, you know, he, he's a guy who has some moxie and, yeah. and knows how to uh, play the game. He's just lacking in arm strength. Uh, Dobbs gives him a guy who has been in the system uh, for three years and, you know, can come in and play if they need, if need be. And so, um, you know, he also gives him a guy that they, they can use to, to get some looks on the scout team. He's a smart guy as well. Uh, he's well liked by Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph uh, and, and by the lo- whole locker room in general. So uh, I think this is a win-win for the Steelers as well. Um, you know, even though it's the third quarterback, honestly, outside of last season, who cares of who right. the third quarterback is? <laughs> right. It's like, it's like, you don't even go here. Um, but, <laughs> but, but that's the point is that like, like you said, the, last year was an extreme outlier of when that would even be questioned. But Dobbs also brings in the fact that when you go into, when you go into practice every week, when they get ready to face Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, um, I know they're facing other running quarterbacks this year, at least guys who could be a little bit more mobile, you know, Dak Prescott, um, Josh Allen, they got to face again this year. Like they, they've got a lot of guys who are go, they're going to face that are more athletic than the average pocket passer. And, having a Dobbs back there that it can at least simulate that in practice may be a bigger, will be a bigger benefit than trying to use a Devlin Hodges who can't even make the, like the, the deeper throws downfield to, to really stretch your secondary. Yeah, I agree. And uh, if it were me, I would just tell Hodges, um, Hey, you stay at home. Uh, we don't want you in the quarterback room right now. We'll, we'll zoom calls with you to do the quarterback stuff. Uh, but we've got enough. We've got practices covered. We want you away from the team just in case, you know, somebody uh, comes down with, with uh, COVID in our quarterback room. Then we'll bring you in. But other than that, I, I don't know that I want that fourth quarterback around the team right now. Da- I think Dallas is doing that. Or, no, I'm sorry, Philadelphia is doing that with Josh McCown. Yeah, I saw they signed him to a practice squad contract, and I was, I was like – But he's staying at home. Right. It's so weird. $12,000 a week just to learn the offense. But, hey – if I when I'm 41, if I can make twelve thousand dollars a week to just sit home, I will take that money. Like you can't do it right now. Me the money. Yeah, I'll do it right now. <laughs> I bet you will. All right, all right. We gotta cut to a break. We come back. We got more to talk about around the NFL about what happened because cuts were made, but also people were signed. All that right after this. Here on the DK Steelers podcast, I'm your host Chris Carter, joined by my friend and co-host Dale Lolly. Dale, 
Let's talk about the national look after cuts and everything that happened. We know the Washington let go of Sean Davis, and we saw the stuff that people came to the Steelers. But the big news that made the most splash over the weekend was Jadavian Clowney finally was signed to a contract. It just seemed so bizarre that a former first overall pick edge rusher was still on the free agent market after, after so long. He signs a one-year $15 million deal to play for the Tennessee Titans after rumors swirled around that the Browns made a heavy push for him a month ago or so. Then the more rumors and a story on NFL.com says the Saints made a heavy push to, re- to go after him, and none of that worked, and now he's with the Titans. Granted, Mike Vrabel, he's familiar with from his Houston days, this still just kind of rings as a very odd signing to me when you had the Saints who everyone would agree that they look like the, the, the powerhouse team of the NFC going into the season. Yeah, and uh, $15 million to me is still too much for Judavian Clowney. Hmm. Chris, do you, do you happen to know what his career high is for sacks? Eight? It's nine and a half. Oh, so I was like, okay. But still, played, nine and a half. when you're a first overall pick, you better be delivering. He's played one more year than Bud Dupree in the NFL, and they essentially have the same number of sacks. Yeah. People in Pittsburgh were saying what a, what a bust Dupree was his first, uh, basically his first four seasons. I don't, I don't think it was that, that was the case. I think that was a bit extreme. Jadavian Clowney, you, you called him an edge rusher. He's really not an edge rusher. Now, he's a good football player, but if he were Bill Clowney, who was drafted in the fifth round, nobody would care right now. Who he, you know, he's just he's not a he's not a dynamic player. Um, I, I thought that that you know he's he's a very good player. He's explosive. Uh, he's got great straight line speed and can do some things like that. But if you ask him to bend off the edge, he's not very good at doing that. He's a power player, and you know to to give him, uh, you know, he was initially asking for twenty plus million dollars. That's why nobody signed him. He's got a knee issue that's degenerative. Um, you know, he had the microfracture surgery. He made one big play in college that everybody talked about, and he became the first round, the first overall pick in the draft. Again, if he were the 78th pick in the draft when he came out, I don't know that anybody waits this long to sign him. I, and I think they get him for about, you know, $10 million. I mean, $10 million would still be a lot of money for, for, for a guy of the caliber. But still, I'm, I'm sitting here like, you look at this, I'm like, Jadavian Clowney, like, I guess, you know, he wanted to get paid and he knew he could get paid the $15 million, but I just, I, I just seem a little dumbfounded by, 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 by passing. I get passing on the Browns. I get saying to that organization, I don't want anything to do with you. You're crazy. We've seen how that operates, but you know, the Saints, you get to be on a Saint, on a defensive front with, with Cameron Jordan. Uh, your secondary has got Marshawn Ladder. Like you've got support there. There's a, there's a team that's that's there that you're adding to whereas with the titans i mean i guess that's also the case but you know i see Jadavian clown despite his despite him looking the part of a of of a top tier edge rusher as far as physically he's not a top tier edge rusher he to me looks more like he's a robin to a batman than anything else and you need a batman and is there a batman in tennessee that he's going to be working with no, I don't believe there is, although I do like uh, Simmons, the defensive tackle that they drafted last year. I do like Simmons. But, again, yeah, he's young. Like, like he still young. has a long you're, way to go. Right. I mean, when he was in Houston, he didn't have to be the guy. He had, he had J.J. Watt there. He exactly. Had, a Batman. He had Whitney Merciless there. 
Uh, you know, he had other guys that he could play off of. Again, he's not that guy. You look at what he did last year in Seattle, it was bupkis. He had yeah. three sacks last year in, in, in Seattle. Yeah. People say, well, he was injured. He was hurt. He played all year hurt. I don't care. He had three sacks. You're, you know, for him to say, well, you know, this is a second team in a row now that's agreed not to franchise him, I would look at him and, said, and say, hey, why would we want to franchise tag you? Right. You gotta show me you deserve to be franchise tag. You can't just say, uh, you know, hey, I want I want this written into my contract that I can't be franchised. Okay, I'll write that into your contract because I don't think there's any way on God's green earth I'm gonna want to franchise tag you because you're not worth it. Hey, right there, Ooh. Dale Wally's calling out to David Clowney. All everyone put that on notice. Listen, man. Yeah, we He's a good football player. He's not a great football uh, player. Don't you, don't you come, don't you back up now, Dale. I'm just messing with you. I'm just saying. I want Jadavian Clowney to knock on Dale's door and be like, "What you say to me?" Uh, but um, that's fine. Won't be the first time. <laughs> Who's knocked on your door asking you what's up, Dale? Give me the deets. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about another free agent that got signed. Uh, we saw Adrian Peterson, who somehow is still in the NFL after all his surgeries. Um, we saw him get let go by Washington, and now he's signed with the Lions, who now have, correct me if I'm wrong, they just drafted DeAndre Swift. Um, they had the big running back that they drafted not too long ago. I uh, can't remember his name right now. They got on Johnson. on Johnson from Auburn. That's what I was trying to think yeah. of. So now you got two young backs and Adrian Peterson, who last year didn't do too bad when they put him in in Washington. Except he doesn't catch any passes. That's a passing offense. And carry on Johnson, and I'm assuming DeAndre Swift can catch the ball a little bit as well. Um, you know, Adrian Peterson, at this point in his career, is a tell. When he's on the field, you know he's running the football. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when he was young, that didn't matter. You know, if he was only going to catch the ball 18 times a year, you didn't care because you had Adrian Peterson. Yeah, that dude was a bad man. You know, he was a bad man. I don't know that he's that guy at this point in his career. I don't know what he brings to the Lions right now that they didn't already have. Right. Um, I, I guess some experience in that room, but he's, you know, he, I, I hate seeing guys who are great players, guys who are future Hall of Fame players, go somewhere else and finish their career, just start bouncing around the league just to keep earning a paycheck. Um, I, I do think that Adrian Peterson can still play football, uh, but I, I don't know that that's necessarily the best fit for him. Uh, if I would have been advising him, I would have said, hey, look, Adrian, AP, sit out a couple of weeks, wait until somebody gets hurt. Somebody's going to come calling. Mm-hmm. What's your opportunity in Detroit? You're not going to have a chance to win a Super Bowl. No. Um, you know, if, if, for example, if Alvin Kamara goes down with the Saints and AP goes rolling into there, now you got something. Yeah. You know, if, if something were to happen to Ezekiel Elliott and they, they said, hey, we're going to go sign Adrian Peterson, now you got something. If, if, this, if, if James Conner goes down with the Steelers, you know, there's a number of teams out there that could have used Adrian Peterson if their starter gets hurt, but now they can't do that because he, he decided to go sign with the Lions. The oh, Lions. The Lions. The Lions. <laughs> the who? We're <laughs> talking about the Lions. <laughs> okay, okay. Seriously, you, you've only got so many years left in your career to go try to win a Super Bowl. Uh, this is not the way to do it. No. I, it's the I, Lions. I, I agree. It's the Lions. Uh, okay, so – with Adrian Peterson make, making this move, I mean, for me also, like, growing up, like, Adrian Peterson was coming up in the NFL, like, when I was in my adolescence. Like, I, when I was 
starting to really understand the game a little bit better. I used to watch Adrian Peterson. Every time he would go down, like you tackle him, he wouldn't use his hands to get up. Like, imagine this. A per- you just lay down on the ground right now. Not you, Dale. Uh, but the average person, you're listening to this. Imagine laying down on the ground right now or falling down or someone knocks you down and you only use your legs to get up. Try doing that consistently and it's really hard. That's how strong his legs were. And like that's how that's why he was so doggone explosive. Like I remember just seeing him get down and he would just pick up a foot and just put it on the ground. And, and that one foot would propel his whole body to stand right back up. That guy was a ridiculous athlete. And he's still a ridiculous athlete because he's still playing. But I agree. He can't be – you can't look at him like he's the same Adrian Peterson that could run for 1,800 yards when he was with the Vikings. Um, and, and it is bizarre for me to go there. But furthering on your point about sad, the Lions. The, <laughs> the Lions. But, but, okay, what's the weirdest, like, great Hall of Fame player – What's the weirdest jersey you've seen them in after they've left their primary team? Is it Franco Harris with Seahawks? Is it Emmett Smith with the Cardinals? Like, there's there's been some really weird ones out there, like Ocho Cinco with the Patriots or 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 Terrell Owens with the Bengals. Like, there's several guys like that who finished in a really odd spot. I, I purge, try to purge my mind of all those things. <laughs> like, I just don't want to see it. I, it's just not good. It's the Lions. It's the Lions. The Lions. <laughs> And this is like, you told me once you grew up watching the Lions. Like, that was your squad. I, I did. I was, you know, when I was a kid, I was a Lions fan. I, I, you know, I love Billy Sims. I, you know, when I was in college, I still, you know, cheered for Barry Sanders. I, I was a big deal. It's the Lions. They haven't won anything ever. It should be Peterson's not good. I mean, AP, you're like 38 years old. Like, you want to go out a winner. You sound with the Lions. What are you doing? Dale, Dale you played in that division. You know what the Lions are about. <laughs> he really did this whole career. Anyway, but Dale started this 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 segment crushing Jadavian Clowney, but he really is crushing is the Lions. It's, it's it's like the dude in Jackie Robinson when he's like, you can't even crush the Lions. It's the Lions. <laughs> they, I mean, that's what they they they, they, what they are. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dale's killing me over here. I'm dying. Okay, okay. So, so that all, all, all that all that is the case. I should also point out when this pandemic started, the lines were so bad. I picked so, so my dad was sad because he's a teacher and he didn't have his students to hang around, and so he asked me to hang out with him. We played Tecmo Super Bowl on Sega Genesis, and I picked the Lions, and he didn't have Barry Sanders for whatever reason, so I had to beat him with Rodney Pete throwing a touchdown. And I was like, yeah, like, how about – it was a last-second touchdown with zero seconds on the clock. But that's been their entire existence. They got Matt Stafford first overall and have done nothing with him. And, I mean, absolutely – I think they went to one playoff game, maybe two playoff seasons under him. They lost to the Saints and the Cowboys. They're it's the just, Lions. That they're the Lions. And you're absolutely right. Why would he go there? Um it's going to be weird seeing him in that jersey. But I, I also wonder how much they're going to use him. Like you said, they, uh, they just drafted DeAndre Swift, who some said was the best running back in this class, and even though he wasn't drafted the first running back in this class. Um, and you got it – just, it just seems so odd to me. But, hey, we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens with Clowney under Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. Dale, thanks so much for, for another great show. I'll be talking to you tomorrow. But you listeners, we're going to take a quick break. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, it's going to be don't get me started. And y'all got me started. And I need to drink some water because I'm about to die. (laughs) So excuse me right there. Okay, now I'm back.
The Lions. The Lions. Don't get me started. It's right after this. Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter, and you're listening to Don't Get Me Started. Don't get me started because Cam Hayward just signed a four-year, 71-ish million dollar contract to be a Steeler for life. That's right. This isn't a rant segment, y'all. I actually did a whole rant segment. Dale and I recorded the whole show. I recorded a rant segment. And then I was like, all right, we're good to go. And then I turn it off. And what happens? But I'm like, oh, wait, that's Cam Hayward. Oh, he's saying something? Okay, what's that? What? Cam Hayward? Signed the extension? We were thinking that this wasn't going to happen by this time, but now it did. So this whole segment is dedicated to talking about how huge this is. Since we couldn't talk about it with Dale because he's already gone out and now he's got to go write it. So I'm going to give Dale a break. I'm going to handle this. And and I can handle this because Cam Hayward's a dude I've seen since college. Since his days at Ohio State and admired the way how he works. Not just as a, as a demolition man in the middle of a defensive line, but how he carries himself off the field too. And this is a guy who, I'm from Pittsburgh. I'm born and raised Pittsburgh. Cam Hayward was born and raised Pittsburgh. And also, on top of being born and raised Pittsburgh, my parents to this day tell me that uh, I played Little League baseball with the guy at 14th Ward Baseball out at Frick Park. I honestly don't remember because I was eating uh, donuts and eating and drinking Sunny Delight, and that was all I wanted to do, which is why I'm not a professional athlete, and Cam Hayward is, but you don't care about that. But anyways, the point is, Cam Hayward signing this deal is humongous. When Art Rooney says, don't worry about it, which is basically what he said when people asked him about Cam Hayward, it's going to get done. You believe Art Rooney. Kevin Colbert was like, we're going to get it done. P- Cam Hayward was not going nowhere, y'all. This was this is huge. This is this is this is like uh, taking this worry off the mind because now Cam can doesn't have to think about this anymore. The defense doesn't have to think about this anymore. Cam's been the face of the defense through all of this. And I've said this before, but I'm gonna say it again. He was here in 2011 when he was drafted. He saw the end of that defense. They were number one his rookie year. They were the number one defense in the NFL. He saw the end of the Harrison, the Farrier, the Timmons, the, the Polamalu, the Taylor, that, that the Hampton, all that entire era of defense. That was when he started. Then he went through the dark days of when they had to survive with Robert Golden and Mike Mitchell and um and, and Cody Sensabon, Artie Burns, and John like, like like they went through so many players to figure out what the defense is, and now they're here where the defense is looking like it may be the best in the NFL. And you think the Steelers weren't going to keep the guy that's took that that's carried the torch the entire time? No. They are the Pittsburgh Steelers. They take care of their own. Especially when their own are all pro defensive players that that show up and say the right things and do the right things time and time and time again, which is all that Cam Hayward's ever done. To give you a glimpse of how professional and terrifying Cam Hayward is, because he's terrifying on the field. Like, like, if, like when I watch his film, I'm like, how do you scheme to stop that guy other than to double team him and risk that Stephon Tuart or T.J. Water, Bud Dupree are going to eat you alive? 
But to display my, my first interaction with Cam Hayward in a not happy moment was after they lost to the Bears in 2017. It was my first time going to games uh, with the with you know, on. It was my, actually it was my first road game. I'll say it that way. It was my first road game covering the Steelers ever for this website. And I'm in the locker room, and the Steelers just lost. And I tell Dan I'm going to write about the defense and and, and the things that broke down in the in the, in the late, later parts. Um, and he's like, "Cool, all right." So I'm looking around the defense. Mike Mitchell's not in the happy mode. So I'm, I'm going to stay away from him. Cam Hayward's sitting over there, and he's like, his fists are clenched, his face is red, and he's like taking deep breaths, like, <sighs> you can't see my face as I do this, but just hear my breathing, and that's, like, he looked like he was ready to go fight someone right then and there, like, whoever asked him the next question better be prepared to get clocked, and I'm sitting here like, okay, maybe I won't ask Cam, I'll go to, like, Sean Davis, DK's right behind me, and he said, there's Cam, go get him, and he shoves me, like, like DK literally shoves me to go get Cam Hayward, and I'm like, Mr. Mr. Hayward, uh, uh, what did, what did you think about how the, 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 giving up the score in the end of the game, and then in overtime, and Cam takes a one deep breath, he's like, <sighs> and then he gives me the most composed answers, no yelling, no raised voice, just saying the things that he knows he needs to say as a captain of the defense. That's who Cam Hayward is. Even in his most passionate of moments when he's ready to just let loose and he's got a lot of things on his mind. And don't forget, that was also the Alejandro Villanueva day uh, where he was standing out um, and, and he, he stood out for the anthem and that caused a lot of uh, uproar about the Steelers that day. And he, he, so he had a lot going on in his mind. But Cam Hayward, professional, all the time, every time. He's the man. And he's been that guy. Even even in moments like when there's scrums. You remember all the, the times when the Steelers, the Bengals would be going at it? You remember when, I think it wasn't Drake Kirkpatrick, I think it was Reggie Nelson who uh, who knocked down Mike Munchak. And then Mike Munchak like, got up and, like, you know, and swatted at or pulled his hair or something. And, you know, there was an exchange between them. And the guy starts going at Munchak. Who was the first person to jump in between them? It was Cam Hayward. And all Cam says is, back up. Back up. That's who Cam Hayward is. And what did, and what did they do? The whole Bengals stand. They was like, all right, Cam, we backing up. That's who Cam Hayward is. I remember another time against the Bengals. It was 2015. Before that playoff game. In fact, that's the same year, I think. Um, it's, it's, it's before the regular season game where they're in Cincinnati. If Cincinnati wins, they clinch the AFC North. And if the Steelers lose, they're, they're really, they're looking on the out there. They're on the outside looking in to try and get a, the, a wild card spot in the playoffs. And I remember on radio, someone asked Cam Hayward before the game, like, Hey Cam, uh, how do you feel about the Bengals? Uh, you know, if they win the game, they get the clinch. He didn't even let him finish their sentence. He said, not today. They're not doing it today. Not today. Not over us. And the Steelers went into Cincinnati and whooped that tail. It was it, it was everything that Cam Hayward is. He is he has carried the torch of what it means to be a true Steeler on defense. What it means to be a leader on defense. A leader overall, not even just on defense, but a leader, per, you know, person. He doesn't get into the squabbles, but he stands up for his guys when he absolutely has to. He keeps his head at all times, and now he's a stealer for life. This isn't just about him being a, a, an all, a first-team All-Pro interior defensive lineman. This is about him being the, a part of the soul of the team, 
of a guy that when he was drafted, we talked about him. I remember people talking about him saying like, oh, you know, he could be the next like, you know, Aaron Smith or the next this or the next that. Cam Hayward is absolutely among the greatest defensive linemen in modern Steelers history. Of all time Steelers history, in fact. I'm putting him right there with Joe Green and Ernie Stoughton. I'm not saying he's as good as them. I'm saying that he's of that caliber. And maybe he is as good as them. I, I don't know. That's a weird thing to compare that, that far along in airs. But the point being, this had to get done. Beyond him and how good he was, he was a huge source re and a huge resource for all the younger players to look up to, for Stephon Tuitt to look across to and be like, I know I got Cam on my side. And now we know at least going into 2021, the Steelers will have TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, and Stephon Tuitt. Most likely this means Bud Dupree is probably going to be gone, but they like Alex Highsmith. We'll see how that plays out. But we also know that they don't have to worry about, about losing half of their front four at the worst they lose bud dupree and they, they fill in another edge rusher but cam hayward in the middle of the defense will be playing with stefan so in fact they're both be playing together for the next three four years together so huge huge news i can't i can't say huge enough times i'm gonna keep huge 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 it's all happening man this is, uh, so uh, none of you guys got me started. Cam Hayward got me started because they finally inked the deal to keep him around with the Steelers. Man, got to appreciate that guy. Um, and and got to appreciate Kevin Colbert for getting that done. Pittsburgh, you got a good one. You got a local one. You know, his his father being Ironhead Hayward of Pitt. Um, just so many cool things about that. Got to appreciate cam hayward and you should appreciate cam hayward and uh, i'm not even saying but y'all got me started because y'all didn't get me started this is this is cam all the way congratulations to him congratulations to the steelers i'm excited to see where this defense goes this year and beyond uh knowing that they get to keep their captain their soul there the guy that 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 keeps it all going that's cam hayward and he can continue to carry that torch for the next four years with the Steelers. Awesome stuff there. You've been listening to Don't Get Me Started on the segment of the DK Steelers podcast. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Uh, please rate us five stars. Leave us a positive review. All the different things. We'll be back in your ears tomorrow talking more on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm.